Can we learn about how Jesus is for the whole world from Matthew 2? That's what we'll talk about today. Hi, this is Jill from the Northwoods. We're going to talk about Matthew 2, continuing on from our last episode on Matthew 1. And we jump now all the way to the birth of Jesus. We skip all the information that's found in Luke. Matthew wants to get to the core of what really happened. But Jesus was born in Bethlehem, which they call Judea. It's not terribly far away from Jerusalem, so more central to the nation of Israel. And it says that three wise men came from the east because they knew the king of the Jews was born. And it says, quote from ESV, for we saw his star when it rose and we have come to worship him. And I will do a podcast about Herod of the Great and my other podcast, Small Steps with God. Heard about all this. I mean, obviously, he was Jewish. He had scribes and people who understood the prophecy. And when he hears that the king of the Jews is here, the Messiah, what's your first instinct? Is your first instinct is, wow, God sent his Messiah to, to, to save every person who has ever been on earth? Or is your first thought, hmm, I'm the king. I want more power. I'm going to destroy him. Well, that's Herod's inclination. He thinks that he can stand in God's plan and interrupt it, make it not happen. And so he was troubled, it said, and Jerusalem with him. I mean, you know, you think about it. Why would the entire city of Jerusalem be troubled? You know, I think people get into their groove. Jerusalem was the central power of Israel and for the Jewish people. This is where you're going to find the temple. So the majority of worship is there. Everyone had to come to Jerusalem to give their tributes. Educated people were there. The leaders were there. And this was their connection at this time to the Roman government. Imagine, you know, today, if we hear that Jesus is coming back and it's going to be over in this one location, you might think that people in Washington, D.C. would say, well, wait a minute, we're the ones in charge. We're the ones who are ruling this nation. We can't have turmoil that the king of the Jews, this prophecy being fulfilled, would bring to our nation. We need to have stability. And besides, it's probably not true, so it's probably fake. And we're the ones who are smarter. We're the ones who are in charge. And so they would probably also be troubled. But did they believe that Jesus was fake or that the Messiah coming was fake? Because they properly identified the prophecy that said the birth would be in Bethlehem. So if this was a fake prophet, wouldn't, would you believe that it would happen according to prophecy then? If we knew that Jesus was supposed to come out of Bethlehem, but we suddenly learned that the Messiah was being born out of San Francisco, we would say, no, that's not true. I mean, we know that this is coming from Bethlehem. But because they successfully identified the Messiah was out of Bethlehem, it makes me believe that they thought this was possibly the true Messiah. And this comes from Micah 5 2. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. And that's ESV. The copyrights are in the show notes. So people knew that this was Bethlehem and they knew where to expect it. So Herod the Great guesses wise people together and they decide what they're going to do about this situation assess what was happening with this star that appeared. So then he went back to the wise men, the magi, the kings, and said to them, 
go look for this kid and tell me when you found him because I want to worship him too. Doesn't he sound genuine? That was a paraphrase, by the way. But yes, let me help too. I want to know where Jesus is. Hmm, okay. So they went on their way, it says, and then when they found the child, in this point they said child, this was after the dedication of the temple. This was some time later. Eight days later, Jesus would have been circumcised. He would have been given his name. Then within 40 days, they had to go through a purification ritual, which is something that Mary had to do. And then they would have gone to the temple in Jerusalem to offer the sacrifice, which we hear in other chapters was two doves, which means that they were poor. Probably if this had happened after the three wise men came, they would have had gold and something more expensive to give, like a lamb instead of the doves or pigeons. And then at the temple, we'll find out in the future, Jesus was blessed by Simeon. So then after they would come back to Bethlehem, again, very close by, Nazareth was a big and kind of harrowing trip, they would have come back to that house. It said that they were in a house, not a stable. So probably they were now living somewhere else than where Jesus was born. And sometimes after that point, Dar would have been seen. The wise men, wherever they were in the east, maybe Persia, maybe Assyria, maybe Arabia, would have seen the star and started their trek out. Probably took a couple of months. And then that's when Herod had his discussion about Micah 5.2. And so when the wise men, the magi, the magicians at that point, met Jesus, they brought him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and then called him child living in a house, not a baby in a manger. So you can kind of see why people feel that this was some time later, probably under a year, but several months after. So they give the gifts and the three gifts, gold is given to a king. So rare, it's so expensive. Frankincense was given as a sacrifice to God. It was something that was done in the midst of worship. And myrrh, was a spice that was given to burial wraps. And so people look at this and say, look, we're looking after Jesus the King, Jesus who's God, and Jesus who will die. It is the entire message of the gospel right there in those gifts. But them bowing down and worshiping God, strangers, not Jewish people, not in Israel, far away, that's amazing. I mean, these are going to be our first international converts to Christianity. And if you're interested more about them, I did a podcast in Small Steps with God that released on January 2nd that goes into more detail about whether they have names, are they kings, and I'm going to use Small Steps with God as a podcast to supplement when we come up with a topic that deserves a little bit more discussion. They were warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, and they went home by another way. So the angel of the Lord came back and appeared to Joseph again and told him to go to Egypt. Egypt at that time was outside the Roman rule. So that made it outside of the rule of Herod. He couldn't reach them there. And there were communities of Jewish people in Egypt escaping what was going on in Israel at that time. So they went off to Egypt. So Herod found out that the wise men were not coming back. This has been a long time now. He should have picked up on that a little earlier. He got mad and he decided that he still has to fight off this king of the Jews. So what he decides to do is he's going to find every child 
that is under two. So he's giving it a big range because he's not sure when the birth was and just kill that child in Bethlehem. There's some criticism of this passage because they say, well, if there was a big slaughter of children in Bethlehem, wouldn't there be stories about it? Why didn't Josephus write about it? And Bethlehem was a very small town, and they suspect it was anywhere from five to 10 to 15 boys who were killed at that time. It wasn't very many, and Herod killed lots of people. But the passage of Jeremiah 31 talks about how Rachel is weeping for her children, and she refused to be comforted because they are no more. So this was a prediction about a slaughter of children in Bethlehem. So when Herod died, again, around 4 BC, the angel tells Joseph, take Mary and the child and go back to Israel. They go back to Nazareth. And at this time, Archelaus was reigning now over Judea. This is the child of Herod. Apparently, he was also a bad king, not quite as bad as Herod, but still violent. So while Herod was a strong ruler, terrible, Archelaus was terrible and not a very good leader. So they go back to Nazareth and they said this is to fill the prophecy that Jesus would be known as the Nazarene. Some people tried to change the word Nazarene to maybe mean Nazarite, which was a particular sect of Judaism. This is what Samson was part of, where you never shave your head, you never drink wine. And those don't appear to be true of Jesus because Nazareth was the backwoods of Israel. And you'll hear people talk about nothing good comes out of Galilee. Nazareth was an insignificant disaster of a city. And so they just think it's so weird that Jesus would come out of that. I don't think it's weird at all because Jesus always picks the least of these. Bethlehem being an insignificant town, Nazareth being a terrible town, or thinking about in the history of the Bible, David being picked to be king when there were probably older, stronger leaders out there at the time, but God sees behind those things. So he picks Nazareth, which makes people discount Jesus. And I think that's just the thing that God anticipates. So again, this took place somewhere between 6 BC and 4 BC. And the Magi visits would have been months after the birth of Jesus. We talk about Bethlehem, which is six miles south of Jerusalem. And the name Bethlehem means house of war or house of bread. And that usually is meant to be believed. A lot of wars are created by bread. And so the words are related to each other. It also mentions Egypt, where there are large groups of Jews living there in self-exile. And then the return to Nazareth. People in this chapter are mentioned are Mary, Joseph, there's the angel of the Lord again, the wise men or the magi, and Herod the Great, along with his wise people and the entire city of Jerusalem. <laughs> so those are the people that we mentioned in that. Some key themes mentioned in here are angels. We have another angel sighting and then also picking the underdog, which is Bethlehem, Nazareth where no one's going to take you seriously. Jerusalem, that's the place. That's where a king belongs. Some literary tools we have is that this is just straight history. There's no tricky languages, no references made. There were some mentions of prophecy, which makes this great storytelling because this is tying the story we have today with thousands of years of history. And what does this chapter say about the nature of God? Again, Jesus has a plan 
the plan is built into prophecy and that Jesus was going to be the king, not just of the Jews, but of everybody, because the Magi followed the star and came down to worship him. The shepherds, which we'll hear about in Luke, also worshiped him. Jesus is about being the king, not just to the powerful, but also the lowly, the poor, not just the Israelis, not just the Jews, but to people of the world. This message is for everybody. And what we see again in the story when it comes to human nature is we see how good Joseph is, how he takes his family on this trip to Egypt. It had to be dangerous. We see Mary and Joseph stand in their faithfulness to God, and they do what the angel of the Lord tells them. We see prophecy being fulfilled. We see people of different nations and religions coming to bow down to him. But I think the thing we also see is the thing that's not mentioned. How many people didn't come, saw the star in the sky, and either was afraid, like Herod, worried, like the city of Jerusalem, can't be bothered by lots and lots of people, but then we see great faithfulness by the people who did come, and they were people of all nations. And then Herod stands out as the opposition. They call him great, but he was fearful, vengeful, a murderer. He killed his own family. He killed his own children. And he represents what a lot of people think of as great because he's a great builder. He's actually truly evil and a horrible human being. And so while some try to call him great because of the amazing things he built that are still standing today in some cases. He's one of the people we would have heard of without the Bible because of the things he built, because how he moved up through the Roman structures. And, but instead, he was horrible. Who would try to stop the Messiah just because they wanted to stay in power? If you believe that the Messiah was going to save you from your sins, some people at that time believed that the Messiah was going to save them from the Romans. But why would you stop that unless you meant to keep power and keep people away from the things that God has in mind for them? Again, laughable. We can't keep things that God wants for us away. And so our message to us is we're not going to ever break God's plans. He is checking all the boxes. He is checking all the prophecies. And he is telling us as he goes along. What is coming to pass? See when I said this here? Happening. And that he's going to save us no matter what. And there are some people like Mary, Joseph, the three wise men, and the shepherds who bow down and worship God. And then there are people who are horrible, like Herod. So just don't be a Herod. And so what does God require from us because of his plans? Is that we stay believing what God says that we stay watching for the prophecies and standing by that God has a plan to save all of us. This is a rescue mission, and it is going as planned. So my meditation in this particular case, or the thing that struck me the most, is the Magi coming from great distances to bow down and worship him. They were clearly smart. They were clearly resilient. This is a tough trip. They had means, wealth because they brought the gifts, and they could have done anything they wanted to do. But instead, they came as strangers to the land, strangers to the faith, but probably people who understood it, and bowed down to Jesus. 
that means that this is a message for everybody and that everyone from every nation can understand and love Jesus too. My prayers are for people of all over the world that they will see the message of Jesus, the message of Christmas, and then the message of Easter and understand why everyone should bow down and believe in Jesus and understand his plan is built for everybody. And information I want to share is the fact that this message is built for everyone, that God's plan is meant for everyone in the world and not just a single nation, not just a single people group, but everyone. All right. Thank you very much for listening. This is episode number two, Matthew 2. And next episode, we're going to read Matthew 3. Thank you very much for coming. And again, this is Jill from the Northwoods. Woods.